Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When do you notice that the paper you're using is actually your skin? Adrift. With Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello. Hi. Do you want to hear about a really weird thing that happened to me a couple of nights ago? Of course. So, me and my two-year-old son are in. It's about 20 past seven. I'm looking to do an eight o'clock bedtime. So we're just finishing up watching a bit of children's BBC in the night garden or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be taking him upstairs to start the bedtime routine. Yep. The doorbell goes. Mm-hmm. Now, Jean gets very excited when he hears the doorbell. So we both go to answer the door. Mm-hmm. I open it and... There's a woman, I would say in her 50s. Mm-hmm. She looks quite similar to a younger Susan Sarandon. Okay. And she beams at me right. and says, hi, how are you? At the same time as walking into my house quite purposefully. Actually into your yeah. hallway? Yeah. Right. Uh, she's got an American accent. Not that that's particularly relevant, but, you know, it's a little bit of colour to the story. So she sort of walks, says, it gives me the big smile, that's how I am, and then walks into the house past me and my two-year-old. She gets to the foot of our stairs. <laughs> yeah. And then she says, am I in the right place? And I say, I don't think so. <laughs> At which point she just turns around, walks out, and very sort of purposefully strides off up the street. No explanation. No, and I'm days later. Oh. I am so confused. I'm desperate to know what was going on there. It's so weird, isn't it? It's it's because when she she says hello, and there's a you know it looks to me like there's recognition in her face yeah. when she says hi, how are you? Yeah. And then, like, in she goes. And then, you know, it's, it's as I described it. The other bit that's very confusing to me, I mean, amongst the, apart from the fact that it is just inherently confusing, is when she walked out, she didn't sort of look confused and look back at the door or the door number. She went onto the street and very sort of purposefully off she went down the street. So it's not like she'd gone to next door. <laughs> yeah. Imagine- 
imagine having the confidence to not like feel obliged to explain. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? I think it? they so like I didn't say your number. You live at number ten, and she'd been told, "Oh, that it's it's either number ten or number one hundred. I can't remember." <laughs> so she's like, "I'll try number ten. Then if not, I'll go to number. It must be something like that. The, otherwise, the, she would be kind of looking at the door and the the other bit of the story that I think is kind of interesting is how my assumption straight away that I would just stand to one side to allow somebody into the house because they confidently walked in like they knew oh, yeah. where they were going. You just let her in. Yeah, yeah. And then when she said, um, am I in the right place? <laughs> I wasn't confident enough to say no. I was just like, I don't think so. Maybe you are. I mean, you might know better than I <laughs> yeah. do. I'm in my own house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. It's so strange. It I tweeted about this. Yeah. And somebody said, is it is it somebody you met on your holidays one time and said, oh, you should come and stay sometime? No, it's not. But that reminded me of, there was some year it was your birthday and we went to this Japanese teppanyaki restaurant. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was one of these restaurants where you sit round like a bar, a small bar which seats maybe 12 people. And then they have a hot plate and they cook the food on the hot plate in front of you. And I don't know how well you do or don't remember this, but we went very early one evening as soon as the restaurant opened yeah. because we were doing breakfast show at the time. Yeah, yeah. So we sat, if you imagine the bar is a U-shape, mm-hmm. like a squarey U-shape, I don't know what what we'll call that. Can you, can you think of a better description of that shape than a square U? Basket. <laughs> but okay. So so we sat at one end, yeah. then there was nobody at the long bar section, yeah. and right across the other end, mm-hmm. there was uh, an older couple. And we didn't interact with them at all. It's one of these where the chef is talking about what he's cooking, and then he serves it up in plates. And it was, you know, uh, again, one of these things where you're there for quite a while, they give you lots of different dishes. But we didn't interact with these people. It's something very specifically remember, mm. because... As as we were leaving, we finished our meals at the same time and sort of out of politeness or awkwardness, we said to the people, bye-bye. Mm. And um, they said, oh, nice to meet you. And we heard an American accent. I said, where are you from? They said, California. I said, oh, lovely. They said, if you're ever in California, come and stay with us. And they gave me a business card. <laughs> and for, for even all these years later, I mean, it's more than 10 years later, probably close to 15, it's baffling to me what was going on in their head. <laughs> That they thought some people we were sitting <laughs> up, but didn't interact. We didn't, it wasn't like we had this fun evening where we chatted about them and their life and, and got on like a house on fire. There was literally no interaction apart from to say goodbye. And then they gave me a card <laughs> with their address on it. And, and some years later, I was in California and I briefly toyed with the idea of just turning up at their house and saying, <laughs> it's me. Well, I go every year. Come on. Why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, possibly, possibly that's what happens. Some variation on that, maybe, but yeah, unlikely. Yeah. It's unlikely I would ever say to anybody, including friends of mine, "Oh, you should come and stay." <laughs> you might have blurted it out that yeah. awkwardness <laughs> to fill a pause. Yeah, that, that sounds more plausible. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the main module of the show with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port in a program called Adrift. Can you get with it yet? Share your story of failed human interaction. Like like you just said, Annabelle, my, my default position, even in my own home, mm. is 
submissiveness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's clear. You must know better than I do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you have a story like that or uh, any of the other things that sort of crop up with regularity, we would love to hear from you. You can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Amy writes, I work for a small organisation with only a handful of staff. So rather than having our own office building, we've always rented a room in a bigger office. This means we share the building with a lot of other organisations, often without knowing what it is they do. We've recently moved offices, which has meant getting to know a whole load of new people in the new building. And as you can imagine, that has been traumatic for someone like me with very limited social skills. One afternoon, shortly after moving into our new office, my colleagues and I heard a strange moaning noise coming from the garden area at the back of the office building. It was a hot day and we had the windows open, so the noise was quite loud. We ignored it for a while, but it got carried on for some time, to the point that it would have been weird not to acknowledge it. My colleague Andy was the first to say something, and I was relieved that the burden of striking up conversation hadn't fallen to me. It sounds like our new neighbours sacrifice animals on their lunch break, Andy said. I thought it might be zombies, I joined in enthusiastically, (laughs) grateful to have something to say, and even more grateful that Andy greeted my comment with a laugh. There was some back and forth between me and Andy for a while as we shared various unlikely theories about what the noise could be. Until I noticed that our colleague Sue, the only other person in the office that afternoon, hadn't said anything for a while. What's your theory, Sue? I asked. Sue glared at me, which surprised me as she's usually very mild-mannered. I'm not going to join in with this sick game of yours. I didn't think you two were those kind of people. I was shocked and couldn't quite understand what she meant. I looked at Andy, but he seemed just as confused as I was. We spent the rest of the afternoon in awkward silence. The weird noises are stopped by this point before it was time to go home. On my way out of the door, I happened to glance over at the list of organisations who had offices in the building. You've probably guessed this already, but I'm sure you can imagine the horrific lurch in my stomach when I realised one of the organisations on the ground floor, with doors opening out onto the garden, was for people with learning difficulties. Looking back, it seems obvious, but I honestly thought the strange noise was probably a drunk person. I mean, there is a dodgy looking pub nearby, and I'm sure Andy didn't know either, so he's not the type to make the mickey out of people. But Sue obviously did know, and she must now think that Andy and I are terrible people. I haven't brought it up with her, (laughs) because I really don't know what to say. And every time I see that organisation's name on the door, I feel like my heart is going to fly out of my chest. Oh, play Sue this, please, just so she can understand what happened there. Yeah, yeah, I think you you need to deal with it, yeah. Yeah. Caroline says, My incident takes place when I was 17, in my first job, and very naïve. There were three of us, mainly in the office, sometimes four. When I arrived, I asked one colleague where the other one was. His response was, always seeing a friend off of the coast. I'd never heard this expression before and totally embarrassed myself by saying, oh, he didn't mention it yesterday. Bob just looked at me blankly and said he was in the loo having a dump. I still cringe at my embarrassment now. I've never heard that one. I haven't either. So actually, Caroline, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's a particularly well-known one. It's a pretty good one. I mean, I've heard dropping the kids off at the pool, but yeah, not seeing yeah, a friend yeah, off yeah. the coast is nice. My best one ever, but it was very specific to a certain period <laughs> in history. You know what I'm going to yeah, say, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hatching a... Hatching a- <laughs> Hatching a plot to force out Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a real moment in time for that. Yeah. Uh, okay, one more. This is from Distinguished Regent Martin. Before I start the tale, I would like to point out that I am a happily married man with a beautiful wife and daughter, something which I neglected to mention in my previous mail to the GLAP clinic regarding Facebook and a girl in the shop. 
Do you remember that uh, one? Yes, Me too. Yes, yes. I regret to tell you that I did not take either of your advice. And as a result, the situation has developed further. But I'll not bore you with those details. <laughs> oh, what? Separate email, please. Yes, please. I need to be yeah. bored by those details. He goes on. I'm hoping that the fact that I am a nice family guy will dispel any perception that you may form of me being a lonely man who gets his kicks from having awkward social interactions with the opposite sex. So this tale involves a trip to head office and Joe, a young girl who works there. Several years ago, I visited head office where I had a number of interesting meetings about engineering things. As I was about to leave, Joe told me that she had a full set of uniforms for the guys at my office and asked if I could take them back with me. To put things into perspective, in preparation for how this tale evolves, Jo is a good 15 years younger than me, so I probably come across to her as someone who could be one of her dad's mates. Mm. Anyway, as we go to get the uniform, she's very friendly and chatting, telling me all about her forthcoming wedding. Thankfully, her chatting meant that I didn't have to say much. We get to my car, load the uniforms inside, and I shut the boot. I turn to Jo to say thanks, and as I open my mouth, I hear the word massive. <laughs> come out I'm in a state of shock how can thanks in my brain change to massive by the time it gets to my mouth I am horrified I look at Joe, who is standing there with a look of bewilderment on her face I realise that this is a fight or flight situation I could stay laugh it off and claw back some respectability nah I did a little smile quickly turned round got in the car and drove off Foolishly, when I got back to my office, I relayed the story to some of my colleagues. Seven years on from the incident, I can be happily doing my work. When someone will feel bored, shout, massive! And the whole of the office will look at me and burst into laughter. So good. <laughs> uh, we'd love to hear from you. Share your story, please. Hello at adriftpodcast.com. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port in a show called Adrift. Right, Annabelle. Yeah. You've, uh, you've prepared a story. I have. Now, what's the story about this week? It's about things that have happened to me in other people's cars. In some cases, this is a taxi, even though I'm not someone who takes taxis a lot because, as you know, I'm very, very tight and would rather walk 20 miles in the rain than pay someone to drive me. But there are occasions. <laughs> it used to drive me mad. Used to. When we were doing the radio show and you'd go away, mm. like sometimes, sometimes with me and you'd have to get to the airport mm. at five in the morning mm. and you'd rather take some like bizarre combination mm. of night buses yeah. that would have you up all night <laughs> and spend the money on a taxi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, there, but there are occasions, like, for example, if I've got the equivalent of, say, three suitcases, I mean, two, <laughs> and I'm on that bus, but three, or if there's, you know, some major rush or very late at night, mm-hmm. very late, I don't know. There are occasions. And obviously, if it's free, I'm going to do it because the reason is I'm tight. And, <laughs> and when we did the breakfast radio show, we used to get sent a free cab to take us in every day. <laughs> you say it like it was a perk. Well, it was because, okay, so it was 3.45 in the morning, so they had to. But sometimes, you know, I'd go past night buses and there'd be people going to work on it. So it was a perk. No, we were we were lucky, but they weren't doing us any favours either, really, no, no, Well, no, I mean, but it, well, it, was, <laughs> it was a bit of a luxury. But, I mean, I don't mean a luxury and it was a Bentley and, like, you know, there was, you know, posh seats and, <laughs> you know, free drinks and stuff. I mean, and it, it didn't. It didn't always feel like a luxury at all no. to me. One driver, and obviously I've told you this before, the one driver, and I'll never know why, why, but he despised me. He hated me so much that I'd come out of my house, and as I said before, this was 3.45 in the morning. 
I'd come out of the house and he would be parked about the length of six cars up the road, even though there wasn't a single car parked in front of my house. He'd parked way up the road, so I had to walk to his car. And it wasn't a mistake about where I'd lived. If so, he might have seen me, started the engine and pulled up towards me. No, he'd just sit there staring at me, walking towards him, blank expression but I've no doubt what was going on in his brain glee at me having to walk towards him because he'd do this every time it wasn't just this he'd also the closer we got to work he'd start going around corners really slowly just to annoy and frustrate me I'm not talking like 10 miles per hour slowly as slowly as you can drive without stopping and I never said a word like I might have occasionally sort of done a sigh He'd also wind all the windows down when it was particularly cold. That was another favourite of his. Oh, he once stopped for ages at a green light. He just stopped for ages. And I eventually said, oh, I think it's green, I think. And he went, he went, hmm, and pulled off really slowly. And I'll never know why he hated me so much or if he did this to everyone or just to people he knew wouldn't bother to complain, people like me. We would get a real mixed bag of characters, the kind of people that work in this night shift, including the man who'd made his own wig. (laughs) (laughs) And we're not talking some kind of artist or hairdresser. It was just as likely that he'd asked his three-year-old to make this wig for him. It's also not like the hair was from Russia or anything. It was like he'd got a bit of cardboard, tried to stick some black wool on it, but he didn't have any glue, so he'd use like a mixture of butter and flour to stick it on. And then he'd coloured in like a few bits with a big black mark a pen i would sit and stare in fascination at it for the whole journey oh, that is one object i would love to it would, when i because you'd only ever see it from the back really no, yes yeah but i'd love to see it again like i do think of it it would make me feel slightly nauseated yes. looking at it yeah yeah but it I mean it was a fascinating object it was t- i mean i was like the journey in was like what half an hour maybe longer yeah. my eyes wouldn't move from it the whole time no. it looked it it looked like roadkill yeah, because it was there was a real there was quite a greasy quality to it, yes. well, even though it wasn't real hair. Yeah, which but was like, impressive. yeah, yeah, uh, but it was a combination of wet and dry <laughs> grease, though, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, like it, like grease had been put on it at some stage many months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, it did, it did make me feel quite sick. Yeah. But not as sick as I felt the time that I got in a car with an estate agent. So it's when I was trying to buy my first flat. And as I got in the car of the estate agent, who's a man, he asked if I minded if he took his jacket off. Like, of course I didn't mind. And I said so. I did mind what happened next, though. So I'm sitting next to him in the front seat. And for the whole journey to see this flat, he told me about how he had a terrible, terrible sweat problem. And he was <laughs> looking into having surgery for it. And how, on a recent one night stand, it was so bad, they kept getting stuck together and pulling and pulling apart with this noise that he insisted on repeatedly imitating, like repeatedly this sort of squelching noise. Oh. <laughs> Okay, this is the last one. I was I was once having dinner with a friend on Brick Lane and we were going on to somewhere else and wanted to get there quickly. And there was two of us, so I thought, well, we're splitting, we're splitting a cab, so oh, I'm happy to pay for it. So we asked the waiter if there was a good minicab firm that he used and he said, leave it to me. So he did. About 10 minutes later, a man walked into the restaurant who really caught our eye because he was a very elderly man, like easily in his 80s. And he was wearing a coat that was quite clearly over some pyjamas. And on his feet, he wore what were quite clearly slippers. 
Oh, here's your minicab, said the waiter. <laughs> and I have no doubt that he rang his granddad, woke him up because he was all bleary-eyed and got him to come and drive us to where we wanted to go. I mean, we probably shouldn't have gone, but, you know, there was two of us. And when we arrived, I asked him how much. And he said, oh, whatever you want. <laughs> so I gave him 25p. Not really. I gave him £10 or something like that. I'm not that tight. Come on. When you were younger, this show was just getting going. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port with you now in your old age. This is the last week I'll uh, bang on about this, I imagine, because we've, we've given it a big plug now. But the Partners podcast mm-hmm. is now available to our Patreon supporters who support us for two US dollars a month or above. Thank you to you if you're one of those. If you're wondering why it's in US dollars, it's just the the website that we use. Mm. That's how it's set up. But I don't know what that's. What was that? One pound seventy a month? I don't Something know. Something like that. Just guessing. Maybe mm. maybe it's a bit um a bit more than that these days. Uh, Emily Harrison, who edited it for us, she did say to me, maybe you should warn people that it's not suitable for uh, a family audience. Right, because of Sarah, not because of Tom. I'm... I don't know. Oh, I, right. I haven't listened to it. No, me neither. But I'll tell you something. So I, I came home uh, a few nights ago to find my wife listening to it. Right. And she paused it and she said, I'm very good on this. <laughs> She's going to love you for saying that. <laughs> well, there you go. That's an enticement. Yeah. If people just sign up to Patreon now, will they get it? Yeah, yeah, it's there. Yeah. So oh, it's just there when you get it. I, oh. think, I think it's accessible to you if you become a new Patreon oh, supporter, great. Okay. I believe. And and here's the weird thing. So Sarah had been asking me to put it onto her phone, yeah. but I hadn't got round to it. So now she supports us for $5 a month or I know, something. I rang you and I said, guess what, Sarah Barron is like <laughs> supporting us on Patreon. But it's only because she'd get the Partners podcast, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if she's going to cancel. Probably. I'm not sure they to give her a title or not. I mean, <laughs> if she's going to do one month, I'm not sure. Well, you know, if you do sign up, uh, even for the minimum amount, which is $1 a month, you will get a title yes if it's two dollars a month you'll you'll get access to this partners podcast and then we're going to make some more videos soon we're going to do the adrift meal plan oh yes yeah i really want to do that i'm yeah. really into that now yeah. yeah yeah so this is all still to come and 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 basically the patreon support is what enables us to keep the podcast going so thank you to you if you support us and um I also, I don't know if you're like this, but sometimes when I read a website a lot or listen to something, it can feel good just to support it, you know, cause mm-hmm. you know and I, I think that's probably why a lot of people do it and, and we really appreciate it. Mm. So if you would like to support us on Patreon, it's patreon.com stroke adrift. If you already support us, thank you. It's, it's hugely appreciated. If you're insightful and aligned with this vision... You might be ready for the next phase. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port, Adrift. All right, so uh, let, 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 let me tell you about this. We've got these friends, Nick and Catherine, mm-hmm. and I'm a little bit obsessed with them to the extent that something that I'm not terribly proud of about my marriage is we do conform to gender stereotypes in these certain ways. And one of them is that my wife runs the social diary. So if we're due to see friends, she is tends to be the one who does all the arranging of it. Right. And generally, I will find out we're seeing somebody and I'll say, oh, God, do we have to? Oh. Is there any way of getting out of that? Oh. You know that you say you're acting like you're surprised, like this isn't just like fundamental to my personality. <laughs> I'm just worrying that it's me. <laughs> you know it's not you, your family. Okay. But... Um, 
but that that's generally how I approach the, these things. Mm. And yet, with Nick and Catherine, I'm the one saying to my wife, "When are we seeing Nick and Catherine? Oh, right. We just really like them. They're, right. they're just great people." And uh, somewhat recently, they moved into this flat which overlooks Hampstead Heath oh, lovely. in London. Mm. So any excuse to go there, I mean, I just want to go back there all the time. But, you know, there's a certain element of, all right, we'll host this time, you host the next time and so on. Mm. So because we've been busy over the summer with Sarah being in Edinburgh and then we went away for a few days, we've not, we've not seen them for ages. And I've been like, like a kid going, when can we see Nick and Catherine? Mm-hmm. When can we see them? So, so she finally got round to arranging it for this weekend. And, uh, we, we thought we were due to be going over to their house. So that's what I expected to be happening mm. this Sunday lunchtime. And then earlier in the week, Sarah says to me, Oh, um, here's the thing. They, they have to take their daughter to a, uh, a birthday party close to us. So I said, why don't they come over to ours mm. and, and they can bring the food? Oh. Right, that's the right reaction, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So I think it's bizarre that she invited them to our house <laughs> and expected them to bring the food. Did they offer, though? I'm, getting, I'm I sure she really didn't ask. Know. Well, you'd be surprised what that woman is yeah, capable true, of. true, true. Um, and... and I think like the last time we went over to their house, they cooked such a lovely spread Mm. that Sarah was hoping that would be replicated. But in the end, you know, it's probably a hassle for them. And they went to this great Indian takeaway around the corner and they got, you know, a fantastic selection of food Mm. from there. But Mm. so, so we we ended up inviting other people round to our house, Mm. um, but expecting them to go and buy Indian takeaway on the way. (laughs) Right. Is that right? <laughs> I I will get to the bottom of that in this week's The Incident. This week I sought advice from my friend, comedian Rachel Wheely. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I tend to... We don't ever have anyone round, that's the thing. But, <laughs> but I, I tend to just kind of bulldoze what I think is the right way to behave. But in this situation, if it was, if it was uh, my husband saying, oh, we'll get them to bring food, I'd be like, no, you can't do that. You, I mean, obviously, that's what should happen. Yes. But she, she's managed to get around it. All I'm saying is I would have too much social awkwardness to mm. do what she's done. Yeah, so me, I think me in too. A way, yeah. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty impressed. I just I would never have done that. Is that why you um why you don't like having people around to yours? Because of social awkwardness. Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also because my house just is not like it's not set up for people, really. It's 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 like a cross between like a, a soft play centre and and a s- sort of dump, you know. It's like mm. it's not really it's not very Pinterest. I mean, you're describing the house of anybody in real life who has children under, I don't know, what, 10? Yeah, but I refuse to tart it up for people um, because I just think, like, if if we're friends, bearing in mind we live in one of the greatest food conurbations in the universe, right? Why don't we just just go out somewhere which has been designed to be nice rather than me trying to make my place nice because it just isn't and it's never going to be. (laughs) I love the confidence with which you said universe. 
<laughs> well, I haven't been to many places. No, but like, but like, I, like, I assume like, that this is a good place to live in London. You know, I mean, certainly in the known universe, there are. I, I struggle to think of a better food conurbation. <laughs> but you know, assuming that life could have developed elsewhere, and there's all these billions of planets and stuff, I think there's a real swagger to you assuming that London is one of the best places in the universe. Well, I mean, they the, the the aliens with the Michelin stars can come over and tell me about their amazing restaurants. But how are we going to get there? So it doesn't matter, really, does it? I think like, you're only right. Um, do you like going to other people's houses? Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's great because then you get to then you get to see whether they can do this impossible feat of like holding it together for an evening that <laughs> they're that their house is presentable, that their relationship doesn't break down halfway through. Uh, <laughs> Do you not feel like part of the script of going round to anybody's house, though, is is pretending that everything is so good? Like, so every morsel of food you put into your mouth, even if it's good or it's not good, I go through like this whole performance of, oh, this is delicious, this is so good, where's the recipe from? Can you send it to me? And yes, even, even if the house is a pigsty, I, I'm like, this place is great oh god you're so lucky to to live here and i find it exhausting having to be yes. complimentary well no but that, that bit of it is exhausting but what you do is you, well, you see you don't drink though you see do you so i can't you've, you've mate. i got, wish i could no, but I, I can't and i don't want to i don't want to tempt you down that horrible road but all, all i'm saying is that i get through that awkwardness by just by just drinking uh, a lot and then i get to look through their bathroom cabinets at a certain point (laughs) what's what's what is worse than people who only have a downstairs toilet that you're allowed to go to that they keep the upstairs one for private no uh but i'm you know i just think like you you should leave you should leave things in order to build a a proper picture of your whole life in your bathroom whichever one the guests are going to go to yes no that's part of the deal yes did I ever tell you about the time I went around to a friend's house for dinner and I'd got I was going through this phase when I was going to people's houses at some point in the evening I'd go off to the toilet but I wouldn't really go to the toilet I'd go to their wardrobe and then come back in some of their clothes and it was this (laughs) hilarious jape that I did for a while and I'd always like find what appeared to me to be the most embarrassing thing um so I was around at my friend John's house once this years and years ago and uh, I went into his bedroom went into his wardrobe opened it up and there was this awful suit I mean I don't know if he'd like got it for a 70s themed disco night or something so I changed into it went back downstairs expecting to walk in and him to burst into laughter and he just looked sort of confused and a bit upset and he said, "Oh, oh, yeah, that that was um, that was my dad's suit, and his dad had died somewhat recently." Oh no! It was difficult yeah. to rescue the evening that's after that. Terrible! It wasn't what, good. You, no, that's not good at all. <laughs> this is why this perverse behaviour is so difficult to cope with. You see, this yeah. is why nobody. This is why I can't cope with anybody because, like, the wardrobes in my house—that's where I sh- put all the stuff that should really be put away properly. If people are coming round. So, in in future, if this situation arises again, what would you recommend? I think you. Well, ideally, you never ever invite anybody round to your house or go to anyone else's house. You just kind of like find a nice restaurant, and then and then all you've got to do is scrape yourself together um which is hard enough as it is i think so you know just just cut out all of the plus all the tidying and you know it's, it's life is too short 
go to a restaurant. That's my advice. Because we live in one of the greatest food conurbations in the universe. In the universe, yes. <laughs> really been in a reading frame of mind for some time mm. um largely down to having a young child it kind of eats into the time when you would normally read a book but i've told you about this guy carl ove nausgaard this norwegian author he's written this series of six books called my struggle and yes the, he is being ironic calling it that uh and they are extremely uh, detailed portrayals of modern life you know he writes about his life in in almost exhausting detail you can spend 10 pages on him making a cup of coffee mm. you know so mm. this this is the type of thing and i read the first and second ones a couple of years ago and loved them and then for whatever reason i became less interested in the books in between, but now it's the the final one has just been released. It's called The End. And from what I read in the run-up to this book being released, it um, it caused this huge stir because he writes about his own life very frankly. You know, he will write about his own personal relationships and, and feelings in a way that, if anything, is, is brutal. Um, and this most recent book deals with the fallout of him writing these books and how it's destroyed certain relationships in his family and stuff because he 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 wrote so candidly mm. so i thought oh that'll be interesting you know i'm more more interested in the sort of chaos that's happened mm. so so anyway the point being i'm reading this book at the moment yeah. it's about as thick as the bible and War and Peace put together. I've seen it and I couldn't lift it. That's how big it is. So so my question is, when you've got a book that big, mm. unless you're sitting there with it in your lap. Yeah, yeah. So I'm quite often, if I want to read, I'll be lying down. You Too know. heavy for that. And it's really difficult yeah, to read yeah. a heavy book when you're lying down. What I've tried doing is, is pressing, <laughs> you know, the pages still to come against one eye and then lifting it up and reading with the other eye. <laughs> I've tried propping it on my chest. It's very difficult. You need to get some kind of contraption going, some kind of like a music stand, but for lying down in bed. Yeah, because I don't really want to read it on my phone. Mm-mm. And I, I don't, you know, I'm not anti-Kindles and things, but I don't have a Kindle and the, the app for reading on my phone. It's just a little bit exhausting to read off it. So I don't know what the good solution is. 
There isn't one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, were you hoping I'd give you one? There isn't I d- one. I, d- I download the audio book, but I don't know if I've got enough space on my phone. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so there's that. Have I talked about that book last week? I feel like I was telling somebody about it very recently. To, but to but, me, but not oh, on the podcast. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's excellent, but then some of it's extremely boring. But this is his writing. Mm, okay. You know, he, he, but there's something almost meditative about reading the boring bits. But then he can, you know, it can almost go quite essay-ish and intellectually as he, you know, writes about, I don't know, what the I versus the me is in literature and, you know... I won't be downloading onto my Kindle. <laughs> Sorry. Like, I genuinely You're not selling think, it to me. It's very difficult to explain, really. Like, sometimes when I'm reading it, I think this is some of the best writing I've read in my life mm. and I can't wait to get back to it. And then other times it's in the middle of, you know, some long deconstruction of some book he's read or or, or, or whatever. And I think, oh, I just want to get back to it so I can plough on to the next bit where he's really getting into what he really thinks about his wife and his relationship <laughs> right. and stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really quite something. Um, from memory, the, the second one was... I mean, the thing is, they're all like this, you know, um, making a cup of tea can can go on for pages mm. and pages. So mm. I, I don't know. They're not going to be for everybody, no. but I think they're really quite exceptional. Um, so I was going to mention that. What do you do with a big book? Right. And we don't especially, know is the answer. Especially like, I'd quite like to go and sit in a cafe and read a book. You can't take you it can't. out. It's too no. heavy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so there was that I wanted to mention. What else did I want to mention here? Oh, so we went out for our wedding anniversary on Friday night. Mm. And I was having a nice time with my wife. And I thought, oh, it'd be nice to get a picture of the two of us. But then I looked at the waiter and I thought, I don't trust you to be able to take a good picture. How can you tell? I just think you can tell. You can't. You absolutely can't tell. What was it about him? Can you identify what it was? A, a flippancy? No, it was that aesthetics might be not his thing. Oh. You know, I think he would have framed it poorly. There would have been too much space. Look or, at me. Do I take a good photo? No. We know the answer. You're right. I take, yeah, a, ter- I yeah. take a terrible photo. I think photo. you can tell if somebody's going to take a good okay, photo or not. Okay. I, um, I can't. That must be a skill of yours. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so so there was that. And then the other thing I was going to mention here is you you turned up tonight and you were quite het up. Well, yes, because on my street, so I live in a cul-de-sac and I say, describe my front garden as the kind of front garden when you're growing up. And all the kids on the street think that a witch lives there. It's very overgrown. Do you know the garden I mean? Everyone's scared. All the kids are scared about yeah, who lives there. Yeah, it's very yeah. overgrown. And the everyone else on the street has got a very neat hedge that's, I don't know, like what two foot high or something. But I've grown our hedge really high, like, I don't know, 10 foot, because I haven't got a back garden. I've only got a front garden. And I want to have like a secluded private area. So I'm the only person with a very high hedge. Right. But... When what I are say, you doing in this front garden that other people can't? You don't want them nosy. Sunbathing naked. Right, no, yeah. When I say let it grow, what I mean is just like it's it's just like out of control, like it's a right terrible mess, mm. you know, as you can imagine. Well, today my boyfriend came into the house and he went, guess what? Something really terrible is happening, something really passive aggressive. And I said, what? And he said, somebody has ripped branches off of our hedge and stuck them under our windscreen wipers. <laughs> <laughs> Which is clearly sending out a message and sort your hedge out. But, you know, it could have been very dangerous. I could have not noticed, been driving, started raining, and then the windows would have been obscured by branches. 
Wow. I could have I could have died. Yes. So what are you going to do then? Oh, well, you, you know what I'm like. The only thing it's made me want to do is never, ever, ever cut that hedge ever again. <laughs> do you know what I would do if I was the passive aggressive neighbour? Mm. I would get somebody who's good at topiary uh, yeah. to, to then shave your hedge so it looked like a horse. <laughs> yeah. And then I would behead the horse, <laughs> break into your house and leave the horse's <laughs> hedge head. <laughs> In your bed. Oh, that's what they should have done. What would you do in my situation? Oh, absolutely nothing. No. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay. I would be livid with them. You wouldn't cut the hedge. No, even if it was cutting my own nose off to spite my face. I, do, I actually said to my boyfriend the day, we needed to cut that hedge. It looks really terrible. But now, yeah. I'm like, don't cut it. Don't no, cut it. Never, never. <laughs> never cut it. We'll show them. Yeah. Until we're all caught out pretending we know what we're doing, which we don't, obviously. Mm, it's quite apparent. Adrift. On to Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic in Problematic. Here we are in the attic of my house. Problematic. Mm, yeah. Uh, solving quandaries. If you have a social situation whereby you need to know what the rules are, then get in touch and we will tell you. This first one is from Emily. She says, I've got a friend who I met years ago, but don't have that much in common with. I also think that she's made some choices that have hurt other people. And when I see her, she's often trying to elicit my sympathy about situations that are her fault. So I'm not crazy about spending time with her. We live busy lives and there's no way we'd ever see one another without making a direct effort to, which I never do. However, every year when her birthday rolls around, I get an invite. This wouldn't be that difficult. It's easy to decline an invite. But as it's usually a small group of people she invites these things, she pre-invites people. So she'll say she's thinking of having the event on such and such a date. So if I say I've got something on then, she says she'll move it and offers about three possible alternatives. These birthday parties are often quite expensive activities, which I really can't afford and don't want to go to. I never know anyone at them more than vaguely, which leads to that awful, oh, yeah, we met at her last birthday. What is it you do again? Kind of small talk. And generally, I just a miserable time. Is there a way out of this? How can I solve this problem? What does this person bring to your life, really? Well, clearly nothing. I mean, I think cut them out. Okay, but how? This is the big question. This we- is all about ditching friends, isn't it? How how how, how do you do it? Yeah. So, um, oh God, this is this is a difficult one. It's really it's difficult. so passive aggressive to do this pre-invite stuff. Yeah. Where is it? Do you think it is? Yeah, I do. She's yeah. not just trying to like make sure that she can see all her friends. No, she's she's trying to sort of emotionally uh, <laughs> manipulate them into right. never missing a birthday. Oh gosh. Like here's here's what I think. I think. She knows, maybe not consciously, but on some level, she knows that people don't want to be at that birthday. And that's why she's micromanaging it right. in such a way. Wow. So that's the first thing, I think. Um, I mean, is there any kind of organized crime in your neighborhood that you could witness and then go into the witness protection program, get the government to give you a new identity? <laughs> So you don't have to see this person again. Now, how do you how do you finish with a friend? Well, seeing really? as she only has to see her once a year, she could say, "Oh yes, I can do that day," and then every year, a year at the last minute until she gets the hint. Oh, it's really it's, mean, isn't it, it? Well, it is, but I mean, I I just think this woman is holding a gun to your head, mm. saying, "Stay friends with me." You know, she's. It, you don't unless I'm really misreading the situation, Mm -hmm. you just don't want to be friends with her. You're probably giving out signals that say that with how little in touch you are with her. Mm. And yet she, she is, manipulating you into going to this thing every year. Could you say I can't afford it? 
It's can I so can I say this is what I genuinely now say to people a lot of the time. Yeah. And this is people I like and do want to maintain friendships with. Yeah. I will say, I love you dearly. I would love to see you some other time, but I'm not going to come to your party. Okay. I don't enjoy it and it won't be a better party for having me there. And you're okay saying that? I've said it and, to people. And how do people take it? Um, well, to my face, they seem to take it fine. I mean, I don't know if like, people think, oh, he's gone nuts. <laughs> right, right. But I, I, I have said that before now to people. Maybe this is the answer then. I mean, she has to lie when she says, I love you dearly, but you know. Uh, oh, sorry, I just got a text message. Oh, I meant to you, switch my phone to silent. read it out? <laughs> Let's have a look. No, I, I don't really want you to. <laughs> oh. Mm. Oh, I see. Oh, right. yeah. Okay. Somebody telling me they're on a train. Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, I think we've sort of solved that, have we? I mean, there's, there's no easy no. way out of this, so... No, but, I mean... So, I think either you need to um, remove yourself from the friendship by becoming... I mean, does Emily say what age we're, we're talking here? No, no. I'm also thinking here, this is another occasion where we shouldn't be setting rules for Emily. We should be setting rules for this friend. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the rule is, if you only ever see someone at your birthday, they never invite them to yours or at any yeah. other thing. They don't want to be friends with you anymore. No. Just leave it. Because no. the, the thing is, as well, um, I mean, I'm, if, if, if you're at my age... You you start. I think there's an Alan Partridge line: "Shedding your friends like a snake sheds its skin." Right. You know, you, you, you get to an age where mm. you know you've really trimmed the fat off your friends, and it just sort of happens in life. And I think you can behave in such a way which is is kind. You know, you don't need to say to them, "We need to talk. We're going to break mm. up." No. But you can give signals that say. Uh, this this friendship is uh, we had a, a wonderful past or we had a mediocre past or whatever but that's what it is just just by how much you invest and reply mm. to it but if it is a friendship that you're interested in maintaining then um say what i say that thing that i said before Mm-mm. i love you dearly but i'm not going to come to your party i've got a feeling that what emily is actually going to do is just keep going to these birthdays yeah, every I think year because so that's probably what i would do yeah it's easier, isn't mm. it? Okay, let's go on to the next one. This is from Maureen. Last month, my boyfriend and I were at the Pret-a-Manger in Gatwick Airport in keeping with our tradition of sharing two sarnies and a chocolate croissant to start the holiday. There was a small situation involving a fork on which we now seek the counsel of the Glatt Clinic Quandry Corner. My boyfriend had chosen one of the veggie wraps, which is not shy at all on filling, I must say. Anticipating the possibility of some ingrediential spillage, especially when being shared, he'd taken a plastic fork that could be used to shovel up any stray chickpea or falafel piece that might happen to fall on the train. We finished our meal without needing it. The wrap had stayed intact, so we'd not used the fork at all beyond taking it out of the big dispenser train. But we're both hesitant about going back to the service area and putting it back. This is on the basis that people might find it disgusting to see something replaced after a meal that is designed for their mouth. What is the rule for the replacement of such items, including perhaps those straws from McDonald's in the blender-shaped hold with the spinning cog at the bottom, in full view of the other diners? To throw away an unused plastic item in the post-Blue Planet 2 era is a social scandal. So why our reluctance to replace the fork? Please can you sort out this in readiness for our next trip? Thanks, Marine and Lloyd. So I would never replace 
that for. But it wasn't. You didn't, they didn't no, touch no, you. no. But the point is, people. I would worry that people would see me do it and think there was something disgusting, or I'd like, you know, put it between my bum cheeks, and it was some kind of horrible practical <laughs> joke, or I was some sicko or something. Here's what I would do in that situation. Okay. Here's what I rec- recommend that yeah. you do. I would convince myself that I will have some other use for the plastic fork. Right. I, I'll I'll secrete it somewhere about my person or in a bag, uh, and yeah. then and then never use it and eventually yeah. throw it away. Yeah. 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 That's exactly what exactly that's the rule. Yeah, yeah great. Good. Uh if you have a situation where you need to know the rules, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. If you don't already support us on Patreon, would you have a little think about it? I'm not telling you how the train of thought should go, but maybe the destination would be just a little bit of financial support every month. If you enjoy listening to us every week, it would be a great way for you to show your appreciation. Patreon.com stroke adrift. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. And my thanks to my friend Rachel Wheely, who is a fine comedian. If you Google her, she pops up on loads of different podcasts that she's either guested on or she's been involved in. And she's always well worth a listen. She's very funny. And if you're in London, she's about doing stand-up a lot, but she hosts a, a monthly comedy night at a place called The Wheat Sheaf in Tooting Beck. And yes, to non-UK listeners, Tooting Beck is a real place. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made our idents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Carla Gowlett took photos and Kim Rainey designed our artwork. Please share your story of social ineptitude or um, bring something for us to get our teeth into on uh, Problematic, the, the GLAP Clinic, Quandary Corner and all that. The email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com. And finally, I should finish by saying thanks, or should that be massive? Adrift. Adrift. Podication time. This first one comes from Lance... Shepherd, who is in Sydney, Australia. I'm very excited to have a listener called Lance. Oh, yes. Isn't it? Yeah, like the one in Home and Away. Home and Away. Lance, I I, I wept the day Lance and Martin left Home and Away, Summer Bay, to join the army, I think. Mm. I don't know if they ever went in it. It sort of lost interest in Home and Away not long afterwards. Mm -mm. Um, Anyway, Lance writes, I was wondering if I could possibly be a tad selfish as to request a podication for my upcoming 60th birthday. I didn't imagine Lance to be 60? No. Wow. I imagine Lance to be the same age as the characters <laughs> so just, in Home and Away in 1989 or whatever yeah, it would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really enjoy... Oh, sorry. There's a compliment which almost yeah, slipped sorry through about the net that. there. Yeah, cross that out. Uh, yeah. He says, I used to listen at work here in Sydney. 
Also, would Annabelle's book like a photo in any particular part of Sydney? Oh, happy to oblige. What's the most famous part? Probably the uh, harbour, the, ha- the house. What's it called? The uh, the opera, opera house. house. Yeah, yeah. The harbour house. <laughs> have you not have had any Australian ones yet? Uh, I've had one from New Zealand. I don't ah. think. And I have had. One. I have had one from maybe Brisbane, but not Sydney. I don't think. Oh, then we have to see mm-hmm. your book in front of Sydney Opera House. Maybe I have. Don't we? No. Yeah, I would love to sit in front of the Opera House. That's the most famous bit, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Unless, I mean, his thing, Lance, we don't want to be too prescriptive. If you think, oh, no, I've got a far better idea than oh, that, then yeah. then feel free. Yeah, yeah. I think you should do that thing that people do where they go up Sydney Harbour Bridge and they're all attached on a harness and they walk all the way to the top of it. <laughs> I don't want and, him to do like, that. pay several hundred dollars. To <laughs> no, no, I don't no, want you to do that. I'm, no. I'm scared for you just thinking about it. 60th birthday. Wow, that's a good age. Mm, um, I don't know. <laughs> Is it a good age? Well, it, 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 here's why I think 60 sounds good, because you're getting close to retirement. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you are, Lance. Maybe you're one of those go-getters who's going to work till you drop. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I would feel like I'm getting close to the finish line, not of life. No, no. I think you have, you know, a long... Oh, many um, years. Yeah, many. Many, many, I mean, many. You're, you're, let's all be honest, you're well over halfway. Only just, I think, because I think it's going to live to 100. Right, yeah. Yeah, he might live to 100, might he, but... <laughs> Anyway, let's not think about how many years Lance has got left. He probably doesn't want to dwell on that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, then he would still be 20% over fine. halfway. All right. Point, okay, yeah. fine. Um, Lance, have a great birthday. Congratulations. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah. And this one comes from Neil. Now, how do I say this? Postance. Yeah, sure. Neil Postance, who says, Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. As I'm sure the majority of the other listeners do, uh, I do always think I'll get around to writing in, but never do. However, I felt now is the perfect time to request a podication for my wife, Miranda, and our as yet unnamed first child, a girl, who's due on the 25th of September. As daily listeners of your previous endeavour, Miranda and I have been listening to Adrift since it was first created, but it was Miranda that initially brought it to my attention. Oh, good old Miranda. She had her ear to the ground, eager for anything new from you after you left the oh, other place. She sounds amazing. She does. Um, uh, she was absolutely thrilled when Adrift started and every week eagerly awaits the new episode. Sorry about the other week when I didn't take the wire on holiday with me. Oh, whoops, yeah. <laughs> Uh, she's always up to date and uh, tries to keep me up to date as well whenever we go on a car journey or cook dinner together. Sadly, I don't always find the opportunity to listen to new episodes immediately, so I'm often a little behind. I think we can live with that, can't we? A Absolutely little behind. Fine. Totally fine. Um, such is Miranda's love of adrift. She even asked for and received a Patreon subscription for Christmas last year. Oh, Miranda. Oh. <laughs> so um, nice. I'm confident that our daughter will become the youngest postnatal adrift listener. Uh, she's already part of a niche group of prenatal oh, listeners. Isn't that nice? That's lovely. Remember when Rudy Roo was inside? Oh, yeah. yeah. Now he's outside. He's outside now. And he couldn't Almost fit back a year. in if he wanted him to. No way. No. no. Are we doing anything for his first birthday? Um, I think I'm going to the zoo. We're going to the zoo. Oh, yeah. I think I said I, said I but <laughs> you're welcome to come. Um, he says, without getting too mushy, I want to say how proud I am of Miranda, who's dealt so well with pregnancy, as well as tolerating being married to me for the past five years. That is, um, it is, it is quite something, what you women do, growing those little human beings inside of you. We're amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm amazing. I just want to point out I'm amazing too. You're though. amazing. And women who don't bother doing the growing bit, they're, they're amazing, amazing too. too. Everyone's amazing. Not all. I mean, the, the, you know, there are some women who have grown children inside them. They're awful, awful people. That's true, yeah. yeah. Why are we some generalizing? Some people haven't. Some, some, you know. <laughs> no, Let's so leave stupid. it there. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing what you do, though. I mean, like, I think you could be an awful person and it's also amazing that you grew a little human inside mm, of you. Okay. You know, doesn't mitigate some other stuff people people do, but it's not really going anywhere. I think what you're it. saying is biology is amazing. <laughs> I didn't really yeah, do anything. No, you, no, but then you have to, you know, you have to live with this thing, and it's it's draining yeah, it's in these easy. ways. Is it easy? Yeah, it's very easy. Okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. Annabelle speaking. Number <laughs> all women there. Um, uh, so, so there we go. Um, Miranda, congratulations. Uh, I don't know if. Your little girl will be Jeffette, perhaps. Jeffina. Or Annabelle. Or Jeff. Or Annabelle. Just Jeff, <laughs> or for Annabelle. sure. <laughs> um, Jeffabelle. Maybe she's listening to this in labour. Oh, I'm sorry if you are, Miranda. Yeah, don't put bad ideas in her oh. mind. Uh, so there we go. Uh, that's the latest edition of the podcast. The podcast is from Neil to Miranda and uh, our prenatal, maybe postnatal youngest listener maybe. Um, by now and to Lance Shepherd, 60 years old congratulations and if you would like a podication you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com Hold up what was that? Boring no flavour that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.